Welcome to the Dare to Scale show with me, Varsha. And me, Evan. So what is Dare to Scale? Over the years that we've been coaching founders and business owners, much like yourselves, we work through a framework called Dare to Scale. Dare to Scale, indeed. That framework has helped loads of business owners, and that is what this show is all about. So, put on your big picture thinking hat. Oh, and your headphones. And come join us and enjoy the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Day to Scale show. Today, we are talking to entrepreneur par excellence. This is Ramzi Garani, the managing partner of Petra Insurance Brokers. Ramzi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this one. So are we. Totally. Ramzi, welcome. Ramzi, you head up Petra Insurance. We'll, we'll come to that in a sort of second. Just tell me, just with the start of everything, how did you get into entrepreneurship? To be honest with you, I didn't really get into it. I just stumbled on it. I was happy being an employee at some point. Right. And uh, it was fun. I was getting a salary and bonus. And then one day I was made redundant about 10 years ago. I'm like, this is not cool. So what do I do next? My eldest, Gianna, was two years old, two and a half. And then uh, there was one coming up, which is Jasmine. And I was stuck. And then I got convinced by a friend, you know, why don't you open up your own thing? And I had no other choice but to, to be honest with you. Because I wanted to make a living. I'm like, you know what? I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Let me see what I can do. I actually established the company and it was a brand development company for startups and entrepreneurs. So that's my expertise before insurance. Mm, mm, wow. And then the first contract I did, I submitted. I, I got the deal, to be honest with you. And I was quite shocked. I'm like, okay, this is a good start. And maybe this thing I should continue doing because the, the proposal was good and it was a good price and i was referred to by one of my good friends who's in the entrepreneurial space for startups right and i went ahead with that and then i just continued on that opportunity led me to where i am today and i can go into that in details whenever you know we get there i mean that sounds amazing and i've actually forgotten you had previous life in entrepreneurship If I remember rightly, you grew up in Dubai until about eight or so, and then you moved to Canada. Correct. So the business you started, was that actually in Canada? No, actually, I was born in Jordan, moved immediately to Dubai, right? With my father and my mom, and obviously they were desperate, they were, and moved to Canada back in 1987, up until the end of university and about a year after that. I was in Vancouver. And one thing about Vancouverites is that they are always feeling that the grass is always greener, especially back in the 90s. So if you're from Vancouver, let's go to California, let's go to Cancun, let's go to Spain, you know? And I was one of those to the point where I was like, let's go on a road trip to San Jose. So I was with my friend Reza. If he's listening to this in the future, he'll know about this story. It was a crazy last minute, spontaneous trip. My mom went crazy on me. Mm-hmm. And then we went to, we stayed in Santa Clara. I was there for about a month. Until my dad said, get the hell out of there, basically. And then so from that, I moved to Jordan because I wanted to experience the Middle East culture. I'm originally Palestinian and Jordan's the closest thing to Palestine. I wanted to have a change and learn about the culture and work there and just simply learn about new things in life. And from Jordan, I came to Dubai after a few years there. Yeah. Amazing. So branding agency was actually in Dubai. 
if I understand that correctly. Actually, see, I tricked you. <laughs> so the branding agency was created one year before I came to Dubai. Uh, but the reason why I am in Dubai is because of this brand development company. Got it. Right? And that was the connection. There was no other connection. And keep in mind that my dad had this business going on since the 60s until now. So I could have joined it any time after I was born, basically. So that's why I feel like my journey is a bit unique. Unique, yes, and wonderfully colorful because you can have so many reference points and different touch points within different cultures. I think that's absolutely amazing. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, wow. So then you ended up working with your dad and his business, yeah? Correct. The reason why I worked there, well, first of all, he was trying to convince me about 10 years before that to work there. And the truth is I was lost. I had no vision. And I think when I was at 21, 22 years old, I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. And that's why I just kind of wanted to see what's out there. And maybe this is, I just wanted to be my own self-made man, if you will. Right. So I didn't want to just go work at 21 years old under my dad and beard and just have that paved out for you without your own destiny, creating your own destiny. And so I worked with some multinationals, one of them being Orange Telecom. You know, I was in charge of the marketing and pricing of mobile phones for the youth segment, which is from a certain age, like 15 or something like that, which I do think it's young until like end of university. So I was handling pricing for that and offers and and expanding markets in that way. Plus, I was in charge of a big brand in the Middle East called Fine. I was a regional brand manager for that. And a bunch of us, so I was very much exposed to different ways of working and in the corporate world. And, you know, with, excuse my language, like being screwed over from promotions and being promoted and seeing the politics, which was something that I cherish today because it helps me run the business. And then when I went in for this company, the, when I created my brand development company, I came to Dubai basically to align with other advertising companies who would need this service, this consultancy, while they provide their service to for their clients, right? And then my father's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this for others? We need this for our business or else we're going to go out of business. It was really on a downward trend back in 2011. It's just one of those things, old school and all that stuff. But, and then from there, I just said, okay, you know what? I've always wanted to move to Dubai. I've always wanted to live here. And I had a family, or I have a family, you know, and especially young family back then. I, mean, I thought this would be the right decision for me to adopt what I learned over there with the corporate world as an employee and this business as a brand development to bring into Petra Insurance Brokers, which would be the ultimate challenge and a legacy creator for me and the continuer, continuing the legacy for my family and moving forward for, as a certain way of creating a destiny, if you will, right? So that's kind of what the motivation at that point back nine to 10 years ago, basically. So that's where, in a nutshell, what the journey was all about and why I joined at that time. And I just didn't want to have an easy way at it. And that's the Canadian way. So I play ice hockey. And so, well, I'm a big ice hockey fan. I never actually properly played ice hockey for a long time, but I still play hockey here. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things that it helps with the way of doing things here. So what do you mean by it helps with the way of doing things? And I have another question, but before we go there, tell us a little bit more about what do you mean by ice hockey? You play ice hockey that we know. How does that help? What do you mean? Well, it's not just about hockey. It's about the Canadian culture. 
Mm -hmm. So one thing about the gaming culture, which is I was taught because I was in Dubai up until the age of eight. And then I moved to Vancouver at that point in 87. And so I really learned about not complaining, right? There's also a thing as entitlement to any kind of promotion or money. I had a rough childhood in terms of it wasn't easy. I was bullied when I first got there. I don't want to bring in the race card, but honestly speaking, I was the only colored kid there in 1980, whatever, 887. And for other, I don't blame anybody for bullying me, actually, believe it or not, because they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Imagine you bring an alien, which is what I was to them. And then you bring in what they're all going to look and point and all that stuff when you're, especially when you're eight, nine, seven years old, what do you expect? And that for me, it was a very trying time. And then I went through personal issues with my family getting divorced. And then you kind of understand at an early stage in life that life is difficult and it doesn't go as planned. You got to really work hard and you can blame others for it, but you have to take your own accountability, take your responsibility. So one thing about the sport of hockey is that it's a tough sport, but there's a lot of finesse to it. So when you get bruised up, you don't expect to leave the game. You better finish the game. Let's simply can't walk. So you see, I'm sure you've seen like uh, videos of fighting and all that. Yeah, there is fighting for sure. And there is fighting in hockey, but there's a lot of finesse to the sport. There's a lot of elements of the sport that bring, that are important in life. The toughness with the finesse, with the determination and the grit to move forward. I think that is something that is Canadian and that has shaped me as well. That is absolutely beautiful. And what a wonderful way of taking that lesson and now applying it to the other aspects of your life. It's like that. That's what life is about, isn't it, Ramsey? Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a parent or you're a child, that's what life is about. 100%. And I think the biggest issue maybe for me is that I don't distinguish between business and work, business and personal, because I believe it's your personality at work can be slightly different but I don't see that as being authentic. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people that can simply compartmentalize work and personal. I mean, of course, to some extent, you kind of, you have to, but I don't see it that way. I see that we're all one. And if you have integrity at work, most likely have integrity outside of work. If you're going to be stealing from the company, most likely you'll be stealing from people you know as well that trust you. And I believe in that. I believe that's something that is being discounted. And I think if we were more humane with each other, business would be better. I mean, I'd have more fun in business and I'd have more fun in personal, but I know it's not as easy as that. But that's something that I believe in 100%. Yeah, totally. So talk to me a little bit about this resilience. So when you're playing ice hockey, you fall down, you're expected to get up. And you continue with the game and you finish the game. As part of the team, you do your best because winning is the objective. So how do you see that now today reflecting in everything that you do, Ramzi? Wow. So basically, there is no excuses, in my opinion. You have to win. Not necessarily to make others lose, but you have to win. I believe in that. And if you don't win... You better make it hard on the other person, on the competition to beat you. That's what I'm trying to say. And for me, there's no excuses to lay down and make it easy for others or make it to concede in life. I don't believe in that. Potential is there to be powerful. 
to be something magical, potentially. I don't say there should be that magic is always there, but at least never believe, never stop believing in that potential, in that magic, if you will. And I think we all have our down times, but when the light bulb is not on, not lit on top of your head, that's a time when you should kind of take a step back. But I don't believe that you should concede to life. You should not, and even the word should is wrong. It's the want has to be the, the perseverance to at least do your utmost. And even if you do your utmost best in anything, either getting a quote or finalizing a deal or whatever you want to call it, winning an award, you may not win it every time or you may win it, but how do you continue to evolve? And there is no excuses for not growing, in my opinion. Yeah. You can take a break, but take a break for a while. But doesn't mean you stop forever or stop for a long time where it could hurt yourself and others. Yeah. There are two, three very strong themes that are coming through in what you're saying, Ramsey. So one of them really is aim for excellence always. Is that correct? No matter what you do, it's not about whether you will fail or win. It is about have you given it your best that you can today? And it's not about trying. Yeah. It's more than that. It's about have you thought about it strategically? Have you thought about you're fed up with something? I had a perfect example today. One of my team members, God bless her. She's working her butt off for this one client. And we may not get it because of politics in that company. It happened. I know that she did her best and there's really nothing more that she can do. But she's like, this is unfair because we did this, 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 and that. And they're still going to do that. I'm like, you know what? That is exactly the emotion you should hold on to right now. You're fed up. You're fed up. That's fed up. That energy. What can you do with that energy? And that's the key to everything, right? She knows she's done her best. And I told her, listen, you've done your utmost here. Like, I have nothing else to add. Yeah. But the next level is how can you take that fed up energy and use it to your advantage? right? How can you take a negative and see it as an opportunity almost immediately? Yeah. And I think that's the key to resilience. That's the key to resilience. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really knowing how to channel whatever your learnings are from today and channel them for the next step that is coming or that you are taking and to make the best of that. So it's that constant growth after every experience whether at work, whether as a parent, again, I just every aspect of your life. That's the commitment to excellence and not perfection. Perfection is, is silly, right? And I want to make the distinction of the two. Perfectionist, and I know we've talked about it before, isn't the healthiest thing in the world. And it's obviously, in my opinion, if it's not perfect, it could be an excuse not to continue, right? But it's human nature. So when your standard is excellence, there's no excuses, right? Like you have to always just simply be excellent and at least try to figure it out as you go along in business, life, whatever. Yeah. We, something that Evan and I usually say is business is a game and professional game or professional sports is a business. What is the key in all this? One, of course, you play to win. And two, you play to win with your team. And three, whether you're a part of the team or you're the leader of the team, you are always bringing your people together 
for one big goal. And what you strive for is excellence at that minute. Perfection is subjective. Excellence is one thing that we can all give at any time at any aspect of your life. Do you agree? 100%. 100%. And I think that's where you put your money where your mouth is, right? Because there's no excuses other than that, right? And then if you don't have the passion to be excellent, when I say passion, it's important. Like, I'll be honest with you, like my hockey games are so we have a team here, not a team that we have a group of guys that basically group of guys and girls, by the way, that play and it's supposed to be fun, but it's super serious. It gets really intense. Like it gets super intense and we get pissed off at each other if we're not playing hundred percent, you know, if you're not trying, Oh yeah. Should have seen it last Sunday. Like, you know, last Sunday. And I believe that our team that specific day was very disciplined defensively. And we just waited for the opportunities to come to us. And we pushed it when we had to, and we frustrated the team. And don't forget, this is all a fun game. There's no, it's not professional. It's just simply whatever. But the people that the guys that play there all have a similar objective, which is excellence as well. I believe that. And to the point where we actually talk strategy. And again, I keep emphasizing this is supposed to be just for fun. And when we don't get what we want, we get frustrated. So how do we correct it? What's the strategy now? What do we do? Get on this guy. Block this one. Do that. And strategically, and even to that level, when you care about something like that, the level of competitiveness, the excellence, the perseverance, the drive to be good, because you want to go back home, even if it's serious or not, whether you're getting paid or not, you come back home and you sleep and you think about that yourself and you want to feel good about your effort or your that you've actually evolved, right? And that's the key here. Totally love it. And it reminds me, an expression I heard many, many years ago, it's not what you do compared to anybody else. It's what you do compared to what you could have done. And it's like your team member. You know what? I know I've given it everything and that is excellence. So there's nothing left. I love it. Yeah. So on this journey with the, this excellence sort of piece, when you joined in like with your dad's business, was there anything you had to unlearn? Anything you felt you could do better? Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, lots. Too much, actually. Talk about low-hanging fruit, right? I'll share a couple of things if you don't mind. Go for it. Culture. When I say culture, obviously, my kids, when they grow old, they're going to think I'm the old school, right? They're going to think, Dad, this is such an old school. They're going to roll their eyes at me. And no, I thought I was cool. Not. If they don't yeah. already roll your eyes. They've already started. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> They've already started like, Dad. Anyways, one of them just turned 13. Like, imagine, like, even the nine-year-old like, rolling her eyes up and whatever. Anyway, so my point is that there's always going to be a new perspective, even when they come on board. I'm not saying that I come on board to the business. I'm not forcing anybody to come. It's their choice. But if they were to come into this business or any business, they're going to have a new set of ideas of ways to be doing things, right? Especially from the technology perspective. So for when I came in, I came in from a corporate perspective at how to build culture, because it's very important for me. That's part of my values. Also, don't forget what was my company before I went into insurance was brand development. So what is the philosophy, the strategic philosophy of the company, the values? What is the soul of Petra insurance brokers? So I brought that to the table as well. And that was actually pretty much my initial job. Besides all the marketing stuff, you might see all the social media stuff, all the brand equity stuff that we're trying to build in the market. So those are a few things that we've built also empowerment of the team and the staff 
instead of calling them employees, we call them Petra family, part of the Petra family, or team members. You know, we don't say employees. Technically, they're employees, right? But it's that term that can be looked at as something that is not empowering, you know? And that's what I'm trying to build. It doesn't hurt to say employees. There's nothing wrong with it. But I'm just trying to build that culture. Another one that I would recommend that I have kind of put into the company is our communication, how we communicate. So we used to say a lot, I hope to get back to you on this date. I will try to get back to you on this date. It still happens, but I've said, guys, I'm going to be very strict with this. There's no such thing as hope or try. You aim to do it. Now, if you don't get it done, at least you aim to do it. You don't look like somebody who didn't try hard enough. And this language, the way you talk changes the way you feel. And the way you feel is your energy. At least that's where I look at it. And I think that's why we've been able to increase our business over the past few years. And that's our plan moving forward. So there's a few things that we've kind of adopted since I've come on board. And don't forget, this is nine years ago. I feel outdated now, you know? So I'm trying to find new ways of reinventing myself as well and reinventing how we go more technological on the insurance part, a new ballgame for me as well. Although I know part of it, but not enough as much as I'd like to. And I'm getting there. We're getting So on that, looking at technology and how it can help in the business, is there a risk, if you will, that you'll lose the human touch? That's a very good question. So the answer is no. I think I'll be very blunt with you guys. I think anyways, when you're asking for a car insurance quote or one of those basic quotes that are clients, unfortunately, treat staff. Uh, this is not good, but they treat them as if they are a technology platform. and don't like it. Mm-hmm. I actually despise it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't like how some people talk to each other. And I'll be honest, sometimes I've been like, this is not the way to talk to my team, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the flip side, there's, you know, a case or two or three or m- many cases that I can say right on the top of my head that were very serious cases that no technology can do mm-hmm. ever. And that is the case. So for me, when I say that, for example, serious condition in medical, special approval, approving eight payments, which is rare in Dubai for an individual plan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is rare, very rare. So these kind of empathetic ways of working, computers can do it. But at the same time, not everybody needs empathy. Somebody just needs a cheap code. So for me, as a business owner, it is my responsibility to take away the human element when people don't need the human element. There is that point. Like for me, I don't need to order on my phone to order a pizza. It really is useless. I don't need somebody to talk to me, hey, what kind of, what kind of do you want pepperoni, mushroom, you know. I don't want somebody talking about mushroom or pepperoni. Just order them pizza online, right, that you don't need. But if the order came in incorrectly, I would love to talk to a customer service representative, right? So that's where I'm saying the balance of both. And it's my job to be able to uh, have that balance where, you know, there is a human element and then there's the technological element and how to combine both. I love what you're saying over here, Ramzi. What you're saying is make it easy for people to buy from you and yet be available if help is needed. 
So have that human present when help is needed because insurance is usually such a complex thing. And yet today there are certain things that you just, it really is click and buy and go scenario. So you are taking your company to the stage where it's easy to buy from you. And when somebody needs assistance, you are always there and your team absolutely is always there. That's exactly the point. So we're working on something that's very interesting. It's a bit confidential, but I'll explain a bit. Where is a bit of a hybrid approach. So instead of wasting time on putting numbers together, we can get a quick solution for that, right? That gives them more time to recommend and advise and give them the best value for money offer in front of them. So instead of wasting time getting the numbers together, the numbers are together and the benefits are there. It gives them an extra hour or two or three or half an hour to think about what they're offering as opposed to must meet deadline and no time to think. So that's where we're headed slowly, but sure. Wonderful. It's a definite progression that we're hearing from you, Ramsey. So your father, senior Mr. Garani, started the business way back in the 60s, which at that stage was, of course, in the 60s, today, everything is old school. What happened in the 60s, like you were saying, tomorrow your daughters are going to grow up and saying, oh my goodness. But what you have done is really taken such an old school industry. You've taken an old school industry. You've taken a business started for the old school industry way back in the 60s, and you're bringing the modern touch to it because you are fitting, you're still staying relevant, you're reinventing to stay relevant with what is required from the market today. That's a mark of a great leader. Wonderful story. Thank you, Varsha. This is the thing. I don't feel it's enough. And there's still more to do, in my opinion. I'm doing my best. I think I've made some good decisions and I've made some unwise decisions after the fact, I've made unwise, and I've also made some. No, I've actually made no decisions before, which were ended up becoming the best decisions, as well. I think COVID and the pandemic and how businesses stopped really changed a lot of things for me. To be honest yeah. with you, I believe that that was a major, major impact, and that's where the real leadership comes in. I'm proud of how I handled that. I got to be honest with you, nice. and I'm proud of how the team handled that as well. Nice. You know, and, you know, we had the most amount of five-star Google reviews during the pandemic, believe it or not. Brilliant. And I think that's a testament of things here. I think for me, it's just a matter of keep going and continue to improve and get better. And the the tough part is, is enjoying the journey every step of the way, which is a challenge to enjoy every journey, every step of the way. But that is the ultimate. I struggle with that. I'll be honest with you. I struggle with that sometimes. You know, and look, excellence is is absolutely brilliant to be striving for, and you're doing it, like Rosh said, an amazing job on that. So, when it comes to sort of you know down tools or down mic, if you will, what does Ramsey do in his spare time? I play hockey. Okay, <laughs> key surprise there. <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, on this, on this, my spare time is basically consists of spending time with family. I uh, have a new stage in my life right now. I have a partner right now that is uh, with me that we met recently about a couple of years ago after my divorce and has been a pillar in my life, honestly speaking, and that's a big deal. I think for me, the most important thing is having healthy relationships. It's really is the silent killer or the one that gives you real life to be motivated. Sometimes I feel alone in this business and it's important to not feel alone 
to kind of feel like you're with somebody either as a mentor with a mentor or business coach or other colleagues or your team. And also personally, if you have people that support you and really, you know, deep down inside, you trust that they want your success for you, right? So I, I credit my, you know, my partner for that. I really appreciate her and what she's done. And I can't stress enough how much it's been helpful to me having that kind of support when I come back home. That's a big deal. And I want people to know that it's very important to have a good relationship, whatever it is, even if it's by yourself, to have a good relationship with yourself, with others, so you can move on and be motivated the next morning. My daughters, I spend time with my kids. It's very important for me as a hobby to be the best that I can be. And I mean that. I even have books on how to be a better dad. <laughs> it's true. That's fantastic. It's one of the books called Be the Father, Be the Dad, She Needs You to Be, you know? And Gian and Justin, are, we have a very good relationship. And I could tell they love me and they respect me. And I respect and love them back. And, you know, even Jasmine, my nine-year-old, she's like a total business boss baby. And she's already started her own little business in, in like stress balls. So I bought some stuff on Amazon and she's able to do a costing. I saw the paper. I was shocked in her own writing, costing. She wants to make a profit, all this stuff. Gianna, and actually she once wrote a presentation for her school. Uh, where smoking is bad for you. But if you do smoke and you get sick, get insurance, come to Petra Insurance. I didn't know she was doing this. And she asked for a logo one day. No way. Yeah, this is part of life that is critical in terms of have, if you can have such a life that's beautiful. I do think, and Gianna, my eldest, you know, when I started off with this business, she was young. Jasmine was still a baby. My nine-year-old was still a baby and not even born. Gianna, at her own, her with her own soul, was able to motivate me to become better, to take that the leap to go to to go to Dubai. It's a lot of things there. The one sacrifice I think I did is with the business and the family. I just chose for this and my health in terms of working out. Is that maybe my friendships? I wasn't able to nourish new friendships as much as I wanted to in Dubai. My high school friends and you know elementary school friends in Canada were all intact. But that's the one thing I chose to sort of sacrifice, not intentionally, but I wasn't able, I have friends, but I wasn't able to have nourish that kind of super friendships, if you will. And I think in life, that's what it is. You have to kind of choose what you want out of life, right? And then you go with that and you kind of accept that not everything, you can't have every single thing in the pie, but still be happy. Oh, you bet. And I think you're talking about not being able to nurture and nourish some other great friendships. The fact that you're doing something really, really well. And we know this because we're seeing your daughters flourish so beautifully. You. You're being a fabulous parent, Ramsey. Thank you. That is beyond a doubt. You really are. So what are some of the things that you have learned by being a parent that you are today? Parent to two wonderful girls and how you're bringing them up. And what are some of the influences that you give to them? And what do you take from that? This is a very good question. Well, one thing I want them to adopt is the work ethic, the Canadian work ethic, which they don't have. They don't have yet. And most likely, they'll be going to university. <laughs> At least I hope so. But if and when they do, they'll be going to Canadian university as Canadians. It's just simply more cost effective and all that stuff. And they'll be living on their own. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had to live on my own at a really young age. We're talking at 16 years old. 
which is a bit below the legal age limit, I'll be honest with you, but I'm past that, so nothing will happen to anybody. But it was below, and I happened to live by myself at 16-ish, uh, about to turn 17, like this. And I didn't know anything except for ordering pizza. And even, I didn't know how the hell to throw away the pizza box. And even my father came over one day just to check up on me, like, you know, our things. There was a pizza boxes lined up to the very top. And then I'm like, man, I was an idiot. You know, I was such an idiot. <laughs> and, 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 and all the stupid things that I'm embarrassed to talk about, I'm sure we all went through them. Like, what the hell was I thinking at 18 years old? Right? Listen, uh, trust me, you're in good company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, did I actually do that? And then for me, it's the values. It's very important to communicate to your kids and my daughters. There are certain taboo topics which fathers will not talk to their daughters about, but I have no problems doing it. No issues whatsoever, even to my nine-year-old. I'll do it in a way, obviously, that's not inappropriate, but I'm very blunt with them. Like nothing is off the table. And even if it's a little bit awkward, I don't care because at least we're honest. At least we're authentic, you know? And if it's not, even if there's an argument or two, I don't really care as well because at the end of the day, we're family and we have the best um, intentions for each other. And, and there's a trust, okay? And, you know, if they were to do something wrong, which they have, and they were caught with something, how do you address that situation as a parent determines who you are as a parent. And I think that is something that's pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable in terms of, you know, they're kids for God's sakes, you know, they're going to do stupid things and they should do stupid things, but not confidence destroying things. That's where I draw the line. Not, you can't just try anything you want. That's, you, you better hide that stuff from me. You know, you better hide that from me, you know? And there are some things they can communicate and some stuff they better hide from me. I better not know, you know? But I'll be communicating that in advance proactively so they know it's not right, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Those are values. And that's my job. And I want them to grow up and be happy and have healthy relationships. Let me tell you a funny story on the side, guys. I asked both my daughters separately. Do you guys want to have uh, kids when you grow up? Both of them said no. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, we see how much of a headache we are to you. We're, no it's, it's, yeah. They're like, it looks like it's too much work. That's what they said. Yeah, look. <laughs> I have to unmute myself for this. This is absolutely amazing. Oh my goodness, what a brilliant answer. So I asked them, I'm like, my young one, I'm like, you wouldn't want to have another Jasmine in your life? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no way. I mean, that, that's amazing. In terms of that, so young and already having that answer, my God, I didn't even know what that meant at that age. I'm, I mean, I was still running around outside, you know. Those are the days when you did run outside. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So look, I would ask you, what's a top tip for your listeners? And I'm like, dude, you've given us like 2 million already, you know, absolutely wonderful. And, and the, the, the pivotal piece about the values is, is just wonderful. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that and so authentically. My pleasure. My pleasure. I mean, look, one thing I have to say, I know that I've given quite a few things, but I think what I'm trying to, I think the central theme of all this is be real. Yeah, yeah. Be authentic. And this word is used like in Zen situations, but you know, the truth is just be yourself and make mistakes. And man, like, don't repeat those mistakes. You know, this is the point of excellence, right? So you have to have a benchmark. And that's my point is continue evolving. And the only way you're going to evolve is the truth. Know your truth. If you suck, at least you know you suck. And you can get better. 
this is the point, right? And I think that's the part of shame and we have to get over it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's absolutely true. So again, what you're saying really is don't be afraid to fall. Just know how to get up. Exactly. Uh, One last thing I want to say about this part is my team, after the aid is finished and we have a full team on board here and full day, sorry, on board, um, I'm going to ask them a question is, and they don't know this yet. I mean, maybe this will be asked by the time it's public. I'm not sure. But I'm going to ask them, what mistakes did you do this past week? And if they say nothing, there's a problem for me. There is an issue. Absolutely love it. You know, and I think as a leader, which is what they look at me as, and this is what I'm paid for as well, is to be a leader, right? Is I'm going to have to step up and say, this is the mistake I did this past week, which I've done. I think I've done like three or four during this call, during this podcast. So the point is just to be real like that. And I think that will loosen up and you can have some fun at work. I think the key is to have fun at work. Don't be so uptight. You know, that helps a lot with life. Enjoy the work as much as you can. For me, being ex-corporate, that is difficult in a way, you know, sort of showing a a vulnerable side. But equally, it is about there are no mistakes, there's only feedback. And everything you've said is along those lines where if you're not moving forward, there's no point, right? Absolutely no point. There really is no point. And I'll say one other thing. There's nothing wrong with quitting when things are not working. Maybe there's another path for you. One thing I've learned in my life is that doors will close for you without you deciding. And sometimes when there's one door that closes, a second door that closes, third door that closes, you know exactly that this is not the right place for you or the right thing for you. And it's happened to me a couple of times. Jordan's doors were closed in an epic way. I can tell you some unfortunate situations where I had a job lined up or something like this, and then something silly happens, which is quite rare. I left Canada because I forgot to pay this credit card bill. I really forgot. I wasn't trying to be a a thief. I forgot to pay this credit card bill and I was trying to work in a bank and the bank, which I'm glad I didn't, the HR lady was one of my best friends and she still is actually. Mm. We're still super close. And then she was the HR. I had the job. It was a WASTA thing. I had the job in in my pockets. And then she called me up. I was in the gym. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, I'm sorry. I can't employ you. I can't hire you. I'm like, what? I just checked your credit rating. You're in black. You got to pay your $300 for this jacket you bought from Holt Renfrew three years ago. $300. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, as a bank, I can't hire you and you can't work anywhere in Canada. So you better pay that off before you, they press some charges on you or something. Ouch. And I'm like, oh my God. And then within about three weeks, and this is after like doors closing, other doors closing in Canada at that point. It was after my university. And then I'm like, you know what? I had a job offer in Jordan ready for me. And I was saying no to it. And like, then I, I emailed Nassif and God bless him. Uh, he passed away last year and he was one of my, he was my first boss. He taught me everything, a lot of things that I know today, actually. And, you know, he took a chance on me. I'm like, hey, Nassif, is the job still available? You know, he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, I'm coming to Jordan. And I packed my suitcases and I left went to Jordan to work. Mabruk, I mean, and here we are having this wonderful conversation with so much color and just wonderful stories, good, bad, and otherwise. It just, it makes for lovely bedtime reading, if, if you will. <laughs> well, there you go. We try. Yeah, fantastic. So you alluded to a little bit of something that you're looking at doing down in the future. What else might we sort of look forward to down the track? So one thing that I did over COVID was I had a lot of time on my own. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of evenings on my own, especially during the months, during April, when if you're, and since, you know, I wasn't living with my kids, right? So 
you have to get a permit in last April to visit anything, right? Including your mm. children. And that was a really difficult situation, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I had a lot of time on my own. So I used to see them almost every day. So it was, then it became more structured with them. That allowed me to be, to have more time on my own to think, think strategically. And I kind of put forth a document as to how I see the future of A, the industry and B, our company. So technology is a major part of it. And what do I mean by that? It means that how do we improve the life of your employees or your team members or your family at work to be more efficient, for them to enjoy work and to come at work? And also, how can you reduce your expenses while keeping your service levels high up, if you will. And you don't have to reduce the amount of staff from your team, but re-engage them in different ways of working. And basically, I came in, I started joining partnerships and you know, technology here, technology there, seeing which one would stick. Because unfortunately, one thing that I've learned is that when you stick to one way, it may not work until it becomes solid. That makes sense. And nothing is forever. The crazy thing is, is that we've started both different, the different options started working out and then it became overwhelming, actually, I'll be honest with you. So it's a matter of how, how can I bring this together? If you want to get a home insurance quote, how quick can you get that? How quick can you pay for that? Can other people benefit from that? What products aren't available in the market? All right. And how do you bring that here? It's a, where I think there's about 160 to 170 brokers. So it's very red ocean. So what I'm trying to say is what I've been trying to do is how to create a blue ocean in the sea of red ocean. Okay. And that's a challenge in itself. And I think it's very frustrating. And sometimes I say, this is so such a waste of my time. What am I doing? But then at the same time, that's also part of the challenge is how do you win? This is the part of the hockey Canadian part of me. How do you win? in such a difficult market. And sometimes you might see me like as an eccentric scientist, like at home thinking about insurance, you know? That's exactly how I feel sometimes. And I'm crazy. Like people are like, holy crap, you're very passionate about insurance. I am, I really am. But the market here in Dubai is so competitive and the margins are slim and nothing would make me happier than winning. I'm not saying others to lose. This is the point. How do you win in this market? How do you create the blue ocean? And that's what I'm fighting for, if you will, even today. You know, most of my phone calls is most of my escalations and phone calls and emails. Even this podcast is how do you create the blue ocean for yourself? And that is the biggest challenge for me. And that's what keeps me going in such a tough market. And this market sometimes can be very demoralizing. Insurance is very cutthroat. There's no way to overemphasize this. To, you are always, it's always one of those markets that are just simply cutthroat here, especially. So that's my challenge. And I'll be honest with you. Like if I see certain things that are not working, I will put a stop to it. I'll move on to the next thing in terms of part of the business. But that's it. And I want to say one more thing about the Canadian side. There's also my, I, I must say the respect of the Palestinian blood in me. There's a lot of resilience there as well to fight and keep going. You know, without feeling sorry for yourself. That's the key. And my father is very Palestinian, <laughs> very pro-Palestinian. He's Palestinian. He's got a home still in Ramallah. And he visits there. Before COVID, he used to go there quite a few months of the year. 
and he's in the business still. He's in the office as we speak. And there's a, that those combinations of that kind of heritage, if you will, the resilience of being Palestinian and being exposed to that, and the cutthroat way, which is what has happened, you know, in the region. And then also the Canadian combination is what kind of the culture, the nature and nurture is there to make up for what this is. I just hope for, I'm going to be very honest with the, with the listeners and with you guys. I just hope for one thing, that I'm not too stubborn to find the blue ocean. And that's my only concern with myself is will I keep going until I, till I die? You know, I don't want to, right? There's a point where I, have to, I hope I can open up my eyes and say, okay, this is going to work. Stop right there. Or this is not going to work. Move on. So that's my only, that's my pure, honest vulnerability speaking to you guys right now. Absolutely fabulous. Golden nuggets throughout. That is something that sometimes is missed. And there are so many people who ask me this question to say, at which point does one stop? And it really is what you have said is sums it up so beautifully. Know when to stop. What's the song? Know when to fold them. Yeah. No, Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Kenny Rogers. So that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So know what's in your hand right now, know what you can do with it and know when to take the risk and know when to say, you know what, I'm going to fold them right now. Yep. Yep. And it's all about energy management, right? So let's see. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm just going with the flow to be honest with you. Right. And I'm very grateful that I was able to be mentally healthy during COVID and physically healthy. Right. There were some tough moments, I'll be honest with you. And that, that tough moments where I wasn't able to see my family, but I think, I try, I've recovered from COVID fatigue, which has helped me get the energy today. And I think that's the key is to manage your energy and all that stuff. Fantastic. Ramsey, I have to ask this because we love to hear this specific point from all our guests. And I repeat this in every episode, and I'm going to say this again, is we usually show our courage through our actions. We usually show our courage through how we show up. We usually show our courage through every role that we play in our life. And it all amounts to us showing, never really saying. So we would like to hear from you. What is your I dare to statement? We all stand for something. There is something always within us that we say, I dare to do this because that's who I am. So what is your I dare to statement? Okay, I have one that's for myself, but it's going to be across to all. I dare to win and help others win when times are bleak. And that's the most important thing. And this is why I'm in insurance as well, is because, you know, your money has to be protected. That's the bottom line. Your house burns down. It's a crappy situation. You can build a new house. That's yeah. the point. That's the point here. So yeah. nothing can take away your health, but at least you're not screwed in your finances as well. Let's put it that way. Very nice, Asanta. Very nice. Oh, wow. What a brilliant conversation this has been. And Ramsey, we know that after this, many people are going to want to say hi, going to want mm. to say, oh, we want to know a little bit more about you and we want to connect. Where is the best place for someone to connect with you, Ramsey? The best place as usual, will be LinkedIn. So um, we can connect over there and take uh, any kind of conversation forward from there. Fantastic. And hey, our wonderful listeners, you already know that in the show notes, we will, of course, include the link to Ramsey's LinkedIn profile. So feel free to connect with our fabulous guest here today. 
Ramsey, what can I say? Thank you so much on behalf of all our listeners. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing so generously. And thank you for showing that being vulnerable and sharing is a strength in itself. Well, it's the best, I mean, the least that I could do. And uh, again, it's about being yourself and being authentic and being a human. And I think that's the way to win in this world is to be yourself. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Ramsey, thank you so, so much for such a wonderful conversation and for being really so, yeah, so open. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and the time you've given me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for joining us and listening right to the end. Head on over to daretoscale.fm to subscribe and access show notes and transcriptions. Oh, also, did you know that we have a Facebook page for our podcast listeners? Come join the conversations at daretoscale.fm slash Facebook. Absolutely. Oh, and also remember to give us a five-star review so other entrepreneurs can find this podcast like you and get value to scale forward their business. Fabulous. We will see you at our next show. Bye for now. Bye.